have your Bibles this morning, find Numbers chapter 10, the book of Numbers and chapter 10. I'll begin reading in verse 29. We are planning a busy month in the month of June. Uh, We're planning to have a baptismal service, uh, Father's Day weekend, And one of the things we want to do in the first part of the month is have a class for uh, providing information to people who might be interested in membership here at New Haven. And uh, we're planning that on June the 5th. So if you have questions about our beliefs and where we're going and our vision, um, you can join us. Sunday, June 5th at 6 p.m. I hope that you will consider that. And it's in light of that that I'm looking, I want to introduce you to uh, a man who is probably unfamiliar to you. His name is Hobab. Now, not Jobab, Hobab. And you'll find him in Numbers chapter 10, Verse 29, Moses said to Hobab, the son of Ruel the Midianite, who was Moses' father-in-law, we're setting out for a place from which the Lord said, I'll give to you. Come with us. We will do good to you. For the Lord has promised good to Israel. Now we'll stop right there for just a moment. I have other, we'll look at the next verses in a moment, but here's the background. Uh, Moses fled Egypt when he was 40 years of age. He killed an Egyptian and uh, had to run away as a criminal, basically. He went to the land of Midian, and there he met a man named Jethro or Ruel. Sometimes it's, uh, he's called either one. And married uh, Jethro, or Ruel's daughter, and settled down there for another 40 years. So he was 80 when he had the burning bush experience and was sent back to Egypt to deliver the people of Israel from Egyptian bondage. Well, uh, one of his his, uh, brother-in-law was a man named Hobab. And so Hobab here... After Moses has delivered Israel, Hobab has come to visit uh, the people of Israel and Moses, who he practically grew up with for 40 years, and probably his sister, who's married to Moses. Not sure about that, didn't mention it, but maybe the children. And so he has come to visit. He likes Moses, he likes Israel, he's heard of the Exodus. And so now he is a visitor with the people of Israel. Moses says to him while he's visiting, uh, will you come with us? Will you align yourself with Israel, Israelites, and away from Midianites? Let our inheritance 
be your inheritance. He had, Hobab had a good inheritance in the land of Midian. His father was a priest there and well-to-do, many, much property. And this is a pretty big step that he's asking Hobab to take. Throw in your destiny with us. Throw in your lot with the people of Israel. And Moses tells him, he said, we will do good to you because God has promised good to us. The issue is, do you go with what God has promised? Who has the promises of God? Those are the people you want to throw in your lot with. Can I get an amen on that? Who has the promises? God has promised to do good to us. Now, I'm sure Hobab looked around. I mean, they're in the wilderness. They're not exactly a powerful nation. In fact, Deuteronomy 7 says that they were among the weakest and fewest of all the peoples. And they, and, and they haven't, they're not having a good experience. There's no supply of provision that he can see. You're, so he's, this is going to be a pretty big step of faith for Hobab. But Moses says, you need to make your visitation with us and identification with us. You need to do more than just come and say hello and leave. (laughs) No offense intended, folks. Your dwelling needs to become a permanent status so that you now identify with God's people uh, publicly and privately. So it's time to make God's family your family, God's people your people, and throw in your lot with them. Now he says there are actually two benefits that Moses puts in front of Hobab. Let me point these out to you here. One benefit, he says, that I have mentioned, he says in verse 29, we come with us, we will do good to you, for the Lord has promised good to us. It will be good for you if you come and identify with us. It'll be good for you. And I was noticing, I think this has... Uh, physical aspects to it. I mean, I think physically it would be good for him. Um, He's taking them to a land of milk and honey. And let me show you a verse. This is Numbers 11, 5. It's the next uh, chapter up. And I was just reading the other other day and um, heard this referred to also, but Numbers 11, 5... And it talks about these are complainers and they're looking back to what it used to be in Egypt. And he says, we remember the fish we ate. They cost us nothing. And the cucumbers and melons and leeks and onions and garlic. And the question was, what do all of these fruits have in common? They all are something you have to bend over to get. 
back-breaking if you do it all day long. Uh, I had a lady, uh, st- still attends the early service at Bristol Road, and uh, you know how people do sometimes, they talk about, oh, how did you end up in Michigan, that kind of thing. So I asked her, I said, how did you get to Michigan? I knew she's from the South. She said, well, I got tired of picking cotton because it's back-breaking work. It's on the ground. You have to reach and get it. And Now, every once in a while, you pick up a melon at Kroger's. That's one thing. But when you have to do that all day, every day, that's back-breaking work. But look at where he's taking them. In the land of Canaan, and this is Numbers 13.23. Now, what do all these fruits have in common? He says they, they went down, these 12 representatives went down to Eshco, cut down a branch with a single cluster of grapes. They also brought pomegranates and figs. Now, all of those are eye level. They're either from trees or vines. And you, you pick them up here, eye level. What he is saying, look, God is taking us to a place. It's going to be good. God does not take his people to a place to judge them and to punish them. He takes them to a place to bless them. Your life, I'm not like a prosperity preacher here, but when we obey God, by and large... Our life is easier. Amen. Look at this verse. This is Deuteronomy 6, verse 10. You are not to forget God when he brings you to that great and good cities that you did not build. And houses. He's going to give you these houses full of good things you did not fill. Cisterns that you did not dig. Vineyards and olive trees. By the way, olives, another thing there, that's from eye level. And olive trees that you did not plant. All of these blessings, there are, there are physical and emotional blessings that come with being aligned with the destiny of God's people. Proverbs says the way of the transgressor is hard. I can't imagine what my life... All of my basic suffering in life has been uh, rooted in my disobedience. When I have obeyed, God is blessed. And let me give you this verse, and I'm going to move on from this. But um, in Matthew 11, Jesus said to those who were heavy laden, burdened down, he says, take my yoke upon you. It is a yoke, but he said, take my yoke. My, bur- my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Now that's what it means to follow Jesus. And he said, I will give rest to your soul. So the first thing he said, look, you align yourself with us, with our future, with our destiny. It's not going to be harder on you. It will be easier for you. We will be good for you. Because God is going to be good to us. We have the promises. All right, here's a second thing. I said there are two benefits that he put in front of Hobab. One is, uh, we're setting out for a place which the Lord said, I will give to you. 
Come and we will do good to you, for the Lord promised good to Israel. But here's the next one. He first says, verse 30, he said to him, I will not go. I will depart to my own land and to my own kindred. It's interesting that appealing to self-interest did not convince him or convert him. But then Moses puts this in front of him. He says in verse um, 31, And he said, Please do not leave us. You know where we should camp. You know some things that I don't know. And he says, And you can serve, you will serve as eyes for us. You know this territory so well that we are basically in the dark without you. Have you ever thought of aligning yourself with God's people because you are needed? Not only will we be good for you, you will be good for us. You, not only will you be good, you will be like eyes. That's 1 Corinthians 12, right? The body of Christ, there are some who are hands, there are some who are ears, some who are the mouth, <laughs> probably be me, I'm the big mouth. And, but there are some who are eyes. How valuable. Would you want to give up your eyes I doubt if there's anything you'd trade for them this morning. That is the significance of people who attend the assembly of God's worshiping group. I do not want to give up one single eye. Amen. That's you. Uh, We got a lot of eyes in here, I guess. But the point is, you are that valuable to God's people. We need you. You know why? Because you see things we don't see. You know things we don't know. You can help us. You are invaluable to the people of God. So this is his argument. Now, was it convincing? (laughs) Look at verse 33. So, So they set out from the Mount of the Lord three days journey. That Pulled him over. Not that we'll do good to you, but you, we need you to do good to us. In fact, you're like us. We're walking in the dark without you. This is one of the things that I think that we can put in front of people. Uh, when he did that, it says they set out. He decided to go with them. When we first started uh, uh, 10 years ago here at the Fieldhouse, we were looking around and seeing, uh, how, do you, how do people build a building? Buy 18 acres and build a building and move a congregation, uh, a portion of the congregation over. And uh, uh, most everybody had a large congregation that they would then send. And, uh, uh, or they would simply relocate. Uh, the mother church would just relocate to another place. And we found a church in in Flushing that had a building almost exactly like this one. And I thought, oh, here's a good example. How did they do it? And they built it, and uh, it was larger than ours is. But but I looked at it, and I saw, well, if they can do it, we can do it. We were about 
halfway through, maybe three-fourths of the way through this whole process, and I found out one day that their denomination did it for them, that they co-signed and provided financing to a large extent. Not totally, but to a large extent. We, to my knowledge, we're the only one who has said to the people, we are indebted to no man. You're, well, except the bank. <laughs> we'll admit that one. But, but the, the people who keep us going are the members of the church. The people who are committed to this congregation and have said we are aligning with this church and we are committed to its destiny and its future and its fellowship. That has been, through Jesus Christ, the source of our progress. Now let me say this. For Hobab, this had to be quite an experience of faith. I mentioned how they were in a weak place. Uh, And so you look at the church today. I mean, any church, it's the same way. We're not the rich and the mighty and the powerful. There are no Rockefellers or Kennedys among us. No, it's been just simple, humble people together doing God's work. So this is an act of faith. You're saying the future belongs to God's people. And I'm going to look beyond their appearances. You know, you look around. I, am I the only person in a tie? Uh, maybe one other one. Uh, I'm the only one who looks GQ today. Hello. <laughs> That's because I'm doing the teaching this morning. So, But you can see we're not rich people. And if you talk to us, you'll find that there are failures and struggles. And if you go by appearances, you would not want to throw your lot in with us, perhaps. (laughs) But when you walk by faith, amen, it's a whole different story. I'm aligning with these people. This was the key to the conversion of Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, who lived and preached in London for 30 years at Westminster Chapel, uh, even into the 60s. Martin Lloyd-Jones, if you go out to my library out here, you'll see that there, I've got almost every book he's written, and that's considerable. He died uh, 50 to 60 years ago, and his books, by the uh, 100 volumes, are still published all over the world. He was a medical doctor to the Queen's family. So he had a prestigious, lucrative position in his late 20s. But he began to see the emptiness of the world and the futility of their future. They had so many issues, he said. I began to consider the claims of Jesus Christ. And one day he was at a play, a frivolous play. Him and his wife walked outside. And there was a group of... Salvation Army, a band, and they were singing and they were handing out gospel tracts 
And he just looked at them and he thought how different they are from where I live and how, who I relate to. And, he, and a thought came into his heart and mind. And it, it was like a voice from heaven. And it said, these are your people, not those. From that moment, he began to seriously consider the claims of Christ. Actually uh, gave up, it made the front pages of the London newspapers. Doctor gives up huge salary, becomes a minister, and preached the gospel for the remainder of his life. You can't go based on poverty or weakness or appearance, but you believe that they are God's people and they have the promises. So that's what he did. I was, uh, I didn't get a chance to put this on the board, but uh, I noticed something uh, very interesting. Um, This is in the book of Judges in chapter 1 puts Hobab as the father of the Kenites, K-E-N-I-T-E-S. And I'm not sure why, uh, but they are a part of Canaanites. But they, he says to be the father of the Kenites in years to come. Well, there's, a, there's an instance where in 1 Samuel 15, the first king of Israel is told to go down and destroy Amalekites. Only problem is the descendants of Hobab are intermingled with the Amalekites. This is in 1 Samuel 15. So the king of Israel goes down and he surrounds the Amalekites. He's going to destroy them because they're the enemies of Israel. But he's got this problem. Here's Hobab's descendants. And he sends a messenger secretly and he says, All you who are descendants of Hobab, all you Kenites come out from the Amalekites. Come back over here. And they did. And their descent from Hobab 400 years later saved them. It was their connection. You do not know in your future or in the future of your children what it is going to mean when you align yourself with the people of God. It it takes hundreds of years to develop that. So that's what we have to see. We have to see into the future. We have to see by faith. And we have to side based on the promises. So here's what I'm encouraging you to do today based on this little episode with Hobab. Three quick things. One, I want you to seriously consider June the 5th, our uh, membership information class. To just come, it'll be here in the the atrium. Uh, We'll set up chairs and we'll just present to you what we believe, our vision, our budget, Uh, take questions. It'll be a good time of fellowship. It'll be June the 5th, uh, Sunday evening here at the Fieldhouse. Second, consider baptism. If you have not been baptized, uh, Jesus in his death and resurrection, our baptism identifies with him and with those who follow him. 
Baptism is a going down, a dying, and a being raised up again. It is public identification with Christ and his people. Consider baptism. Acts 2.38 says, Peter says, um, Repent and be baptized every one of you, and you will receive the Holy Spirit. And then a third thing is consider areas of service. Do not underestimate how much we need you. You are eyes to us. You are precious and valuable to us. Do not underestimate how important you are to us. Consider areas of service. There are many things in a church this size where uh, we need people. You know things we don't know. You have skills we don't have. There is... I'm going to give you this verse, and then I'm going to close today. But to my knowledge, now somebody may know more here, but to my knowledge, there is only one verse in the Bible that says go to church. Basically, that's what it says, go to church. Uh, It's a verse that's probably familiar to most of you. It's in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25. He says, do not neglect the assembling of yourselves together. You know that verse? It's familiar with you? Do not neglect the assembling of yourselves together. It gives the reason that you should not neglect the assembling. He says, uh, as is the manner of some, but being an encouragement to one another. So much more as you see the day approaching. Being an encouragement. Uh, I know that you may not think so, but your absence is a, is a discouragement. If half the people don't show up, it's a discouraging atmosphere. But when you have an increase, what an encouragement. What what. Moses says to Hobab is, we'll be good to you. And you know what? You'll be good for us. There will be a mutual interaction of goodness and blessing to each other. And I would ask you to to say this to yourself and to your family. What can we do to make sure this assembly is encouraged to press forward in the name of Jesus Christ? Amen.